to invite you to take out the connection card in your uh, program. It's a blue and white card. And uh, go ahead and fill that out. If you are a guest here with us, this will give us an opportunity to welcome you to the church and to... Um, and. Uh, and maybe give you an opportunity to, or give us an opportunity to let you know a little bit more about our church. Uh, just a couple announcements to uh, highlight, and that and that is, um, uh, first of all, there is a baby shower today for Danielle Hoxie and Julie Pan. So we are celebrating the birth of two new babies in our church, and that's a wonderful thing. And uh, so the uh, baby shower is up in room twenty-seven, which is in the education building up upstairs and uh and so you're invited to to attend that the gathering this afternoon for the college young adults um it's actually uh, in the same room right after the baby shower at two o'clock and uh we also uh, are mindful that we continue to keep pastor rick and amy in our prayers as uh pastor rick is gone on sabbatical uh Pastor Rick and Amy were with us last week, and uh, and I said, Rick loves us so much he couldn't stay away. Uh, and Amy's here again today. She really loves us, right? And uh, so, no, we do continue to pray for them and pray that God would uh, bless them as, as they have some uh, time away. This morning, as we have said, the topic is worship. And the text that we're going to look at mainly today is Psalm 122. And uh, the psalm starts by saying, I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And when I read that, I think, wow, man, this is just such excitement. I was glad. I was thrilled when they said, let's go to the house of the Lord and to worship God. And so I was beginning to think, what gets us excited is there anything that really gets you excited that you wake up in the morning and, man, you're jazzed to do, you're, you're ready to go, and it's, it's really exciting? Friday night we had a home Bible study group uh, at my house, and as people were arriving, I had the uh, NBA Finals on. And uh, very spiritual, right? We actually watched it till the end, and then we had our discussion. But uh, as, we're, as we're watching, they keep showing Oracle Arena in, uh, in Oakland, and the game is not there. The game is in Cleveland, and yet this whole stadium is packed with people just cheering, and they're just watching it on the big jumbotron. And uh, it's the, the environment of being able to be with people, and they're excited about it. And I admit, I get, I get excited about basketball. Now, this was not the primary reason. Uh, it truly wasn't, but a secondary reason of why I took my sabbatical in April and May was because I wanted to watch as many NBA playoff games as I could. And because uh, that's a lot of fun. And Dawson likes watching them. And we get up and we high five each other. And we got little dances and all this to, to cheer. And I get excited. Now, there is also another tournament going on right now that I don't know hardly anything about. Uh, all I know, and I think it's called Copa America, the soccer tournament. Do we have any soccer fans? Okay, what, what's the, is that the right, is that the name of the tournament? Okay, and the, and the U.S. just qualified for the quarterfinals, right? So that's, that's a good thing. Now some of you get really excited watching soccer. If I was at a basketball game, I would be right there cheering with all of them. But if I was at a soccer game, I'd be like, 
What's going on? That's a good play? Okay, yeah. I have no clue. I don't know the rules. I don't know anything about soccer. And part of the reason I want to get excited is just because I'm ignorant of the sport. And when we begin to think about worship, and I wonder, why aren't we more excited about worshiping God? If anything in all of the world that we ought to be excited about, it is worshiping the almighty creator of the universe who loves us so much that he would die on the cross that we might be saved. And yet we go about it most of the time just kind of haphazardly and t- take it or leave it. Part of the reason I, want, I think that maybe we don't have the pri- proper uh, attitude towards worship is we're ignorant. We really don't know what's going on here. And so part of what we need to talk about uh, this morning is what is worship? But let me just start by saying that as Christians, true worship is at the heart of our faith. True worship is at the heart of our faith. It's, very, it's at the core of why we gather on Sunday morning. More than anything else, the main reason we have gathered is to worship God. And uh, we will be doing a lot of things for all eternity, but the primary thing we will be doing is worshiping God. And so we ought to uh, take time to reflect upon this. Let me start by just reading the first two verses of this psalm. We're going, uh, this summer, going through a sermon series on the the songs of ascent. And so today we're in Psalm 122. Songs of ascent start in in, uh, Psalm 120. And there we get a picture. It's almost like we're taking a journey. And the first song we sing is, and we reflect upon the world around us. And then last week we looked about about how as we travel on this journey, God will protect protect us, that he is our keeper. And now this morning we stand in the gates and we are ready to worship God. Psalm 122. A song of ascents of David. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. So this, this psalm says, I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet have been standing within your gates, O Jerusalem. Let's pray. Father God, as we prepare to uh, look at this, this text, Ultimately, we want you to speak to us. And this idea of worship, we're all in our minds, we would, know, we would quickly recognize that this is a very important act. And yet, in our daily lives and in our practice and even in our church, that we have room to grow. And so we pray that you would speak to us and guide us along this, the way this morning, that we would be able to live lives that are honoring to you, that, are, that we would be a worshipful people. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Eugene Peterson writes an experience, uh, writes something uh, that I can relate to as a pastor. Let me just read this. Uh, he says One of the afflictions of pastoral work has been to listen with a straight face to all the reasons people give for not coming to church. My mother made me when I was little. There are too many hypocrites in the church. It's the only day I have to sleep in. There was a time when I responded to such statements with simple arguments that exposed them as flimsy excuses. 
then I noticed that it didn't make any difference. If I showed the inadequacy of one excuse, three more would pop up in its place. So I don't respond anymore. I listen with a straight face and go home and pray that 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 person will one day find one sufficient reason for going to church, which is God. Now the reason I read this, rather than making up my own examples, is because I don't want any of you thinking, oh, well, he's talking about me. Or he's talking about that person. Man, they're here once a month. They, he's really nailing them. No, we all, uh, but, I, but I can resonate with this. I hear these type of excuses, and I think, and I, and I actually have adopted the same type of response as Eugene Peterson here. You know, I don't try to argue. I simply try to pray, God, give us all hearts that would want to, be, want to come together to be able to worship God to be able to give him the praise that he deserves. And if we, uh, because really worship starts with God himself. In fact, if we were to give uh, some sort of definition, and I've already kind of alluded to this, but worship is about a relationship. I looked up a whole bunch of definitions in preparation for this sermon, and all of them said approximately the same thing, that worship is our response to the revelation of who God shows himself to be to us. And so worship uh, starts with God. True worship's excitement is found in the interaction between God and us. And so I've come up with some uh, diagram. It starts with God at the top of the circle. In circle one, worship starts with God's revelation to us in our daily lives. So when we come together this morning, we are able to enter into worship when we begin to recognize who God is and what he has done for us. I thought if I'm going to preach on this, I ought to practice it first. So I made out a list of not only all the ways that God has blessed me every day, every week, every year, but what are specific things that he has shown me, uh, 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 that he has done for me even this week began to think about, and, I, and Monday was Dawson's birthday. And uh, I thought, man, thank you, God, for two good kids and a wonderful wife and a beautiful family, and just that God has blessed me in that way. Tuesday, I had a meeting here at the church with Shugo, and Shugo's a passionate guy, right? He's a man of excitement. And, uh, I, and uh, we were talking about the youth ministry. He's the youth director and I have never seen Shugo so excited in my five years of knowing him. And I thought, wow, God, this is, this is a wonderful thing. The first thing that actually came to my mind was an, a, a, an experience I had on Wednesday. Wednesday, I was taking a bike ride, and uh, I was going up a, along a street, and there was a four-way stop, four stop signs. And I was about to enter into the intersection. And usually when I'm biking, I kind of make a quick glance and another quick glance. But I keep on going. I don't stop at the stop signs. And uh, so here I'm going. And, uh, and, I'm a, and I'm approaching. And I look off to the right. And there is a truck coming very fast. I mean, faster than normal. Had to be going a good 50 miles an hour. On a, on, this is a side street. And, uh, and doesn't even make an attempt to slow down. And I guess they didn't see the stop sign. And, I, and the first thing that I thought of, if I'm another 10 yards further, 
I'm Texas roadkill, you know, I'm, I'm dead on the pavement. And, uh, the, the, and I was close enough, I actually yelled at the person. And she turned and we caught eyes for a second. But I thought, man, God must want me here for some reason. And, uh, and I began to reflect on all of these things. And I have a whole list of like 10 different things. And, uh, and this is going to be my new habit. As I come into worship on Sunday morning, I'm going to take a minute and pause and reflect. What has God shown me about himself or what has he done for me this week? Because I think that if we uh, truly believe that, our, that worship is a response to, what God, to God's revelation towards us, then isn't it a good thing to have these things at the forefront of our minds? Maybe, as I said, maybe part of the reason we don't get as excited about worship is out of ignorance is because we're not taking time to actually reflect how is God revealing himself to me. And when we take moments and we notice all these little things, little things and big things, and we reflect upon our salvation and the way he has provided for us, then it leads us to the second circle, the one and only proper response to God in our lives is praise and thanks to him. And that is what we do on Sunday morning. We come to offer him praise and thanks. You've probably had this experience. You give a gift to some little kid and they throw it off to the side and they run off and do their own thing. And uh, surely you would never say this, but maybe in your mind you think, what a spoiled little brat, right? You never say it. But uh, in your mind, you think, what little ungrateful jerk. You know, I took time. I picked out a present and gave it to him. And I wonder how much, now God, I'm sure, is, is more polite than we are. He would never say this. But I wonder if we act like spoiled little brats sometimes. Six days out of the week, we go about our business. And God is, is, God is good to us over and over and over again. And yet we neglect to give him the praise and the, uh, and the thanks that he deserves. Circle three, continuing on in the diagram, is the amazing thing is that when we take this position of humility before God and to worship him, that God reveals himself again to us. And Emily uh, mentioned this and Shugo mentioned this and others in our panel discussion that as we worship God, the amazing thing is God continues to reveal himself to us. And, uh, and, God, and we begin to see God and his awesome power as we, as we worship him together. And then, and then lastly, the circle continues that as he reveals himself, we are motivated to uh, live for him. We respond to him with our actions for, uh, for God in our daily lives. This is the type of worship that is talked about in Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, in light of how he has revealed himself to us, in light of his mercy and his grace and compassion, in light of his love, offer your bodies, in other words, offer your whole lives to him as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. What is worship? It is, the, it is the corporate gathering of God's people in this place to sing praises to Him. But worship is also as we live out our lives in light of uh, His revelation to us, that we recognize that God is our Savior, 
and that God is our provider, our protector, our guide, our ever-present help in times of trouble, and we, and we begin to give our lives uh, to Him. So that is what worship is. It is, uh, it is the excitement of being found in an interactive relationship with God. And now verses 3 and 4 move on to talk about the place where worship happens. Again, going back to Psalm 122, it says, and this is uh, the place where, they, where these sojourners would worship, Jerusalem, built as a city which is bound firmly together, to which the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, as was decreed for Israel. Give thanks to the, to the name of the Lord. There are thrones for judge, their thrones are for judgment were set, the thrones of the house of David. So we see here it describes the place that the Israelites were to worship. I want to highlight just three things, and then we're going to talk about, we're going to highlight three things, why, Israel, why Jerusalem was important to the Israelites, and we're going to back up then and talk about how that relates to our life. The first thing we notice about Jerusalem is its design. God designed this city. It was specially put together. We read the Old Testament, and it gives very specific instructions on how the temple is to be built. And the city was carefully crafted. It was the political capital of, of Israel, but it was, also the, it was also the place of worship. That's the central city for, uh, where God dwelt and the people would gather to uh, worship God. It was, as this passage says, bound firmly together. It was, it was put together very carefully. There was a design. The second thing we, we see here in verse 4, it says, As was decree, decreed for Israel to give thanks to the name of the Lord. It is that God decreed that the people of Israel would travel to Jerusalem, namely three times a year to worship him. For the Passover feast, for, the, uh, for Pentecost, and then for the, feast of, for the Feast of Tabernacles. It was decreed, it was commanded that they were to go there. And thirdly, the third thing we recognize about the location of worship is that this was the place where God's decisions were brought forth. There were thrones of ju- uh, uh, for judgment that were set there. So these are the three things. Location, 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 right, when it comes to real estate. Well, here are three things that we're going to notice about this location. God's design, God's decree, and God's decisions. And, what is, and so we come back to this, to this question now. If, Israel, if Jerusalem was the place for the Israelites to worship, where is it that God's worship takes place today? Where's the place for God's people today? Jesus answered this, question, this exact question to the woman at the well. The woman asked Jesus, Sir, I, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, but you say that it is in Jerusalem uh, is the place where people are to worship. And so this woman, a, a Samaritan, says, Are we to worship on this mountain, Mount Gerizim, or are we are to travel, as you Jews say, to Jerusalem? And Jesus replied, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. So if it's a multiple choice uh, test, it's not A and it's not B. But what is the right answer? 
Jesus goes on to say, and this is what Chuck read to us in our call to worship this morning, but the hour is coming and is now here when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. So true, uh, true worship takes place in spirit and truth. It takes place in the hearts and the lives of those who know the truth, who have received the gospel. It takes place in the lives of those who have been filled with God's spirit. Jesus is very clear here. He says, God is spirit. All of us who are indwelt with the Holy Spirit are, are indwelt, are the, are the place, all of us are the place where God worships. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3.16, Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? So true, the true worship's location is in the praise and the actions of God's people. That is where worship happens today. When, uh, when people's lives and actions and praise are, uh, take place within their hearts and in, within their daily activities, That is where the worship of God takes place today. It is within our lives as we gather as the body of Christ. This is his design, this is his decree, and this is where God's decisions are made. God's design is that we are created to worship. The Westminster Catechism says it this way, What is the chief end of man? To glorify God and worship him and, and to enjoy him forever. This is why we were made. We are made to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Daniel Block says to worship is to be human. As the people created in the image of God, all of us worship something. Now we can worship a number of different things. We can worship money and power and success. But to enjoy our lives is when we find joy in God. That is how we are created. You see, when we do the things that we are created to do, that's when life works the best. That's when our fa- hearts find fulfillment. I've got a razor right now that this, uh, I finally broke down last night and I threw it in the trash. I've had this thing for a long time and uh, shaving in the morning has become a pain. I hate it. So for Father's Day, I asked Chelsea, can I order a new razor? And I got a good one. I got the Bronze 7. It's supposed to be the best razor. According to the reviews that I read, it's supposed to be the best one. And so the razor is on the way. You know, I hate, I, I do, we all do not like things that don't do what they're supposed to do. I don't like a razor that doesn't uh, give me a, a close trim. You don't like a car when it doesn't start in the morning. You don't like milk when it has curdled. All of these things, uh, there is a purpose and a design to it. And when we do not live into the design that God has created for us, then we're not living to our full potential. In fact, the reason that this world has so much emptiness and hopelessness and frustration is because people are not living into the lives that God has called us to live. And that is that we are called to be a worshipful people. And when we, li- and when we are worshipers of the true and living God, when we worship in spirit and truth, that is when we thrive. That is when we live into the way that God has called us to live. And so God, in his wisdom, 
not only designed us this way, but he told us to do this. The second thing is God's decree that we are, to, that we are required to worship. There are all kinds of commands that speak along these lines, and sometimes we need that kind of motivation. There are days when I wake up and I don't feel like coming to church on Sunday morning, and Chelsea said, says, you better. You're paid to do this. Uh, but for the most part, actually, I think I would come to church even if I wasn't required to. In fact, on our honeymoon, Robbie and Tina are getting married next week. Ask them when they get back if they went to church, okay? Here's some accountability. Uh, on our honeymoon, we went to church. Chelsea said, can't we take one Sunday and not go to church? I said, I want to go to church. It's a beautiful thing. And, and I don't, actually, I remember the church we went to. We were up in San Francisco. And, uh, and we came in, and it was, it was mainly a... Um, African-American church, and there was a young guy giving his first message. He'd never preached before. Now, I don't remember the message, but I remember he got very excited at the end. And uh, the place was going nuts. And it was a fun time. We had a great time. Uh, but but we, all, we don't always have that motivation, so God has decreed it. Again, a question and answer, kind of like a catechism, Deuteronomy ch- chapter 10. And now, O Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? Five things. To fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your being, and to keep the commandments and ordinances of the Lord that I am commanding you today. What does the Lord require of us that we would worship him? All of these things relate to worship. And it's not just because we have to. It actually is is interesting. It says, I'm commanding these things to you today for your own good. God gives us all of his commandments, all of his ordinances for our good. A life free of anger. He tells us not to be angry. A life free of anger is better than a life full of anger. A life free of jealousy and envy is better than a life that is, that is filled with these things. A life that is free of, of worry or anxiety is a better life. And so then lastly, God's decisions. We are, give, uh, we are given God's ways in worship. The biblical word that is used here for judgment is a word that means more than just announcing right or wrong. It is a decisive word from God that straightens things out and puts things right. Judgment is a word that does things. It's an action word. And so as we come together, we receive God's decisions. And in that, love is put into motion, and and we are given ability to apply mercy. Wrongs are nullified, and uh, goodness is reordered. Every once in a while on your computer, you have to run a defragmenter, right? All the things get jambled up, and here it just kind of sets things in order so your computer runs more smoothly. When we gather together for worship, God is putting our lives uh, uh, in right order. So true worship, uh, true worship's excitement is found in the interaction between God and us. True worship's location is in the praise and action of God's people. And finally, true worship's effect on our lives is shalom peace. I've used the the Hebrew word here because it is so rich. I just want to explain this. Uh, But three times this word is used. 
the word that uh, is translated peace. The Hebrew word is shalom. Verses 6 through 9, it says, Pray for the shalom of Jerusalem, that they may be secure who love you. Shalom be within your walls and security within your towers. For my brothers and companions' sake, I will say, Shalom be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your good. This is still how Jews greet them, uh, one another today. Just like this, uh, shalom be within you, shalom be to you. And it's a word that you're asking God's blessing upon their lives. The Hebrew word literally means God's fullness towards you, that all of God's goodness would be applied. It has to do with God's wholeness. And so when you bless someone by saying shalom, you're asking that they would have good physical health, good emotional well-being, that their relationships would be in harmony that they would have spiritual peace. Every time Jesus healed someone or forgave someone or called someone, it was a demonstration of shalom. Ten years ago, I was able to go to a a college class reunion. And uh, so we went back. I went to school in Minneapolis, and we went back and got together. It was a whole bunch of us. It was our uh, 10-year reunion, and we made sure to get as many people as we could there. And we had, it was about, it was some of the most fun three days of my life. Some of my closest friends are people I, uh, my friends that I made during college. And uh, we had a great time. We did a lot of fun stuff. And so as we gathered here 10 years after we graduated, we basically just told stories. We ate a lot of good food and we told a lot of good stories. And we laughed a lot and we said, remember when we did this? Man, that was That was a great time, and we did all of these uh, things, and we reminisced, and it was a lot of fun. And on our way home, Chelsea uh, said to me, I can't believe how crazy you were in college. Uh, But we told a lot of stories, most of which I had forgot, I had long forgot about. But this is what we do when we gather together for worship. We tell one another stories. We tell one another stories from God's Word. We tell one another stories about what God is doing in our lives. And as we do, we build one another up. We, we fill one another with joy as we come to know God in this way. We remember all that God has done. And so I invite you to take time. Maybe it is making out a list on a piece of paper, or maybe it is just making out a mental list. But take time every time you come into worship to know what has God done for me? And then to offer back to him the praise that is due his name. Revelation 5, we get a picture of what heaven's going to look like. It says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals. For you were slain, and by your blood you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them a kingdom and priests to our God and they shall reign on the earth. We're going to be praising God for all eternity, for all uh, all the time that we're in heaven, but we might might as well not wait till then. We might as well uh, gather together today uh, so that we might be able to give God the praise and the worship that he deserves. Let's pray. Father God, as we just reflect on the on the things that were said here in Revelation. 
about how by your blood you have ransomed people for yourself. All kinds of people from every tribe and language and people and nation. And you have made them to be a kingdom. As we gather here this morning, it is amazing thought that all of us are kings and queens uh, because of you. That we were lost and we were broken. That we had uh, that we had strayed far from who we were designed to be. But in your mercy, you have drawn us to yourself. And now we are your children. And we reign with you. And we look forward to that day when we will reign in heaven. But even now, we pray that everything in our lives, we would submit to your authority. And that we would give our lives as a spiritual act of worship. That our whole lives would be committed to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's all stand together for a closing song.